Good evening. Let's look at Luke 23. Luke 23, and we'll be reading verses 1 to, I'll be reading verses 1 to 25, just for the context. Then the whole company of them arose and brought him before Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they were urgent, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad. For he had long desired to see him because he had heard about him. And he was hoping to see some sign done by him. So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by vehemently accusing him. And Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then arraying him in splendid, in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate. And Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day. For before this, they had been at enmity with each other. Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was misleading the people. And after examining him before you, behold, I do not find, any, find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us. Look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore punish and release him. But they all cried out together, Away with this man and release to us Barabbas, a man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection started in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus. But they kept shouting, Crucify him, crucify him. And third time he said to them, why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, for whom they asked, but he delivered Jesus over to their will. Praise God for his word and let us now ask God for grace. Father, we thank you for, for your word and thank you, Lord, that uh, you have written these things for us so that we can read your word and understand your glorious truths and when we are convicted of our sin, turn to you in repentance and faith. We pray that, Lord, that you would bless our time and we pray that, Lord, that through the life of Jesus Christ and his death, May we be encouraged to live a godly and holy lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. During his time at this earth, Jesus spoke at length. He gave sermons. He talked in the synagogues. 
he himself says that he has come to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. And Christians traditionally meditate on his seven sayings during the time leading up to Jesus' crucifixion. But this evening, as we meditate and focus on the suffering of Christ, I want to think together about not Jesus' words, but Jesus' silence. The silence of the Lamb. Specifically Luke 23 verse 9, where we see Herod questioned him at length, but he made no answer. It is remarkable. We are told that, told that on three different occasions during his suffering, Jesus was silent before his enemies. He simply said nothing. We can see that in the Gospel of Matthew and Mark's Gospel as well. We read in Matthew chapter 27 verse 13, Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things, these th how many things they testify against you? And verse 14 he says, But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. Now if you think for a moment, when people are testifying against you, you respond to clear your name. Isn't that how it works? If you are on trial, you should say something. And specifically when it is a matter of life and death. But at such time, Jesus gave no answer. Not even a single charge. And yes, Pilate was amazed. This was against the wisdom of the world. But Jesus was silent. Now the question is, why? Why was Jesus silent? Why does he keep his peace? Jesus was a talker. He was a teacher. Why would he not engage his accusers and critics now of all the times? Why not protest his innocence? Why not take this moment to unleash another Sermon on the Mount? Why not at least take time to clarify the meaning of his upcoming death? The Gospel writers don't give us a lot of explanation, but I think we can pick up some truths. So let me give you some reasons why Jesus was silent before his accusers. First, he was self-consciously fulfilling an ancient prophecy. That's what we read in the call to worship in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 7 tells us about the servant of God. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Do you see that? Isaiah sees this suffering servant who suffers silently before those who will kill him. It was with such a certainty that Isaiah talks about it as if it already happened when he was writing this passage many years, in the, many years past. And if you think Jesus was that fulfillment of that prophecy, Jesus was that lamb that was led silently to the slaughter. It is a picture of submission, meekness, and humility in the face of incredible injustice. Now friends, I don't know about you, but I find false accusations absolutely unbearable. I, it doesn't happen all that often, more likely that I feel misunderstood. I'm not happy when other people deal with me in a way that I feel is not fair or consistent from how I understand myself. When I'm maligned or misunderstood, I want to make my case. It becomes hard at those times for me to be silent. And here we have Jesus 
and he never had the privilege of being accurately criticized and here he is being slandered Jesus the beloved son in whom the father is well pleased is being accused of being a blasphemer Jesus who perfectly revealed his heavenly father is being accused of lying about God and how does he respond with silence apostle 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 peter gives us insight into what was going on in first peter chapter 2 verse 21 it says for to this you have been called because christ also suffered for you leaving you an example so that you might follow in his footsteps he committed no sin neither was deceit found in his mouth when he was reviled he did not revile in return when he suffered he did not threaten but continued and but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds you have been healed so according to peter how was jesus able to remain silent to such egregious injustice how is that when he suffered he did not attack when he was reviled he did not revile in return how exactly did jesus do that how he was able to stand like a sheep before its shearers peter tells us that he entrusted himself to him who judges justly jesus knew that this was not the final court it did not ultimately matter that they thought poorly of him he knew that his heavenly father was pleased he knew that god's judgment was that that ultimately matters he knew that god would judge his judges from their judgment of him and did you note peter's application of this truth he holds up this amazing silent suffering of christ who bore our sins in his body on the tree and he holds up and he says jesus was living and living an example for you and for me that we might follow in his footsteps can you see how extraordinary that is that the son of god is standing in silence suffering as he is accused by men who ultimately murder him and peter looks at that and says christian you have been called to the same thing when you are slandered misunderstood criticized rejected do what jesus jesus did you entrust yourself to the one who judges justly so knowing that jesus endured all of that for us because he was silent before his accusers we are justified before god just as jesus could be certain that the heavenly father was pleased with him and would acquit him of all charges in the same way jesus endured the slander for our sake and so we who are followers of christ can be confident that god is pleased with us he will count us innocent because of jesus so christian when you are slandered when you are misunderstood when you are criticized of your faith let people say what they will say what we aren't the people who need final justice in this life we don't need to be acquitted or approved of or be understood it is enough for us that the one who judges justly is pleased with us for jesus sake so jesus is silently fulfilling this ancient prophecy and second reason jesus is silent is because it is a sign of judgment 
Jesus was silent because he had nothing to say to these people. You remember in Matthew 10, Jesus sends his disciples to the surrounding country and told them the very that told told them to very well expect that they might run into rejection. And if that might happen, Jesus told them to shake the dust of that town from their sandals. It's a kind of a picture of silent judgment against them. Jesus told them, don't keep arguing, don't keep explaining, don't keep heaping up your words, just be quiet, shake the dust off your feet. And in Matthew 7, Jesus told to not cast the pearls before swine. That is to say, that is to say don't take precious things and put them before people who don't understand or appreciate them. And so here Jesus is simply silent. He stood before people who knew him and rejected him. So he, so he would not continue because it was simply too late. In Luke 22, when the council of elders are gathered together and, and the Jewish leaders are interrogating Jesus and they insist that he declare himself to be the Christ, Jesus simply says, if I tell you, you will not believe. I think Jesus is silent because they have forfeited their opportunity to believe in the truth. They have cut themselves off to the truth they, that they most needed to hear. Because they were not willing to hear it. And now friends, that is a good reminder even as we think about it, to cul cultivate a habit of listening to God. And a, and a soft heart to submit to His word. This is not something that you can play games with safely. Don't think that you can ignore God for now and then feel free to pick him up later in your life. One of the things that you might find hardening of your hearts and not turning to the Son of God is that in the future, you might not have the opportunity to believe in him and repent of your sins. But it is good news if you hear his voice today and believe. Salvation belongs to the Lord and it is found in Jesus who died for our sins and rose again on the third day. So the reason Jesus is silent is because it was a form of judgment on them. And what do you do, my friend, when you listen to his word? Do not neglect the warnings that you are hearing from your friends and loved ones. But know that it is in God's kindness he is not leaving you to your own devices, but giving you an opportunity to hear and repent and grow in your faith. And thirdly, Jesus' silence is a picture of him bearing our sins. Jesus' silence is a picture of him bearing our sins. The suffering of Jesus on the cross is an example for us. But it is not primarily an example for us. Instead, Jesus goes to the cross to pay the price for our sins. In the words of Isaiah's prophecy, he was bearing our iniquities. And Jesus on the cross actually took our sin. He took our guilt onto himself. That Jesus, as he stood there on trial, as he hung there on the cross, he was there in our place taking the punishment that we deserve. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we read in verse 21, For our sake he made him to be sin, who, know, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so when you step back, you see that Jesus is taking our place. He ta he's taking on himself our guilt, our shame, and our moral filth, and so perhaps that helps us to understand why he was silent. 
One author, Pastor Adrian Rogers, writes, If Jesus had taken up his own defense with the intention of refuting his accusers and proving his innocence, he would have won. But we would have lost. And we would be lost for all eternity. Let me repeat that again. If Jesus had taken up his own defense with the intention of refuting his accusers and proving his innocence, he would have won. But we would have lost. We would, have, we would be lost for all of eternity. They accused Jesus of blasphemy, lying, sedition, and many other things. But the Savior answered, not a word. This is the amazing silence of the Lamb. Friends, when you are accused of some of the sinful things that we have done even in this past week, there is no defense for that. The time when you failed to think the best of your brother. The time when you were wallowing in your self-pity. The time when you were tempted to lust after the success of the other brother. The time when you were grumbling of your circumstances. The time when you were deliberately seeking your own pleasure and your own comfort. The time when you were coveting a trouble-free life. We have no excuse. They are simply and plainly true. Those things are not true of Jesus, but they are true of me and you. We are guilty, we are sinners, and there is nothing left to say. So as Jesus is approaching the cross, he is doing so as our sin bearer. He is taking our guilt and standing in our place. And so what exactly is there for him to say? All he can do is be silent. The things that they are saying about him are not true, but they are true of you and me. So in conclusion, my brothers and sisters, yes, Jesus died many years ago on the cross so that we can be forgiven. He was silent, but now he is not. So we can rejoice. Now he is interceding for us on our behalf. Because he lives, he does this constantly, eternally, and forever. And so if you are in Christ, you are right with God. And let this be a reason for you to not continue in your sin even today, my friend. But bring it to light. And the truth that Jesus is and the truth that Jesus is interceding for us should cause us to not refuse to repent of our sin, but to repent and participate in this meal that has been set before us. So, brothers and sisters. This is the God and the Father who loves us in His Son. He loved us so much that His Son to die for us. When, the, when in the garden Jesus pleaded for another way, His heavenly Father did not listen to Him. But now when Jesus pleads for us, the Father is pleased to hear Him. He looks on us covered by the blood of His Son, sealed by the Spirit of His Son, and He loves us. Yes, could, yes, Jesus could have saved himself by speaking, but he was silent for you. When it served him to speak, he was silent for you and for me. And now that he's accomplished our salvation, he never ceases to speak on our behalf. 
So my brother is struggling. Brother, my sister, if you're struggling in your sin, remember Jesus is interceding for you. My sister, if you're struggling with your ailments, remember Jesus is interceding for you. If you're going through trials of various kinds, remember Jesus is interceding for you. And remember that we have a mighty Savior. Oh, hallelujah, what a Savior. Let us pray. Father, the mystery of the cross we cannot comprehend. The agonies of Calvary. You have sent your son to die for our sake so that we sinners can be reconciled to you and now live by faith. Thank you, Lord, for the finished work of Christ on the cross that gives us this confidence to boldly come to your presence and sing praises to you. Bless our time, Lord. Bless one another, Lord, and help us, Father, to live our lives with fear and trembling. And may we praise you all the days of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.